A week after I graduated from college, I drove from Denver, Colorado to Ketchikan, Alaska to take a job I had lined up for the summer. I was going to work as a guide on the Alaska Jeep Safari Adventure, which was a day trip for tourists getting off cruise boats. So I spent the drive up there dreaming about a summer full of adventure and sex. Because not only did I have a cool, very manly guide job, which would bring me many women, I was also recently single, which meant I was totally delusional about my sexual prowess. <laughs> I had dated the same girl for most of college, but when we uh, graduated, we broke up. We had different ideas about what would come next in life, and it was sad. She was my first real girlfriend, my first love, but I was excited. Because I'd been in a relationship for four years, and I was loyal, so I never hit on anyone. Which means I never got rejected, and I forgot that could happen. <laughs> so when I was in the relationship, I would walk down the street, and a woman would smile at me, and I'd be like, poor girl. She's in love with me, but I'm taken. You can't have me. I'm sorry. So naturally, I assumed that once I was single, all these women who had been barely resisting me would come rushing at me. I knew when I got to Alaska, I'd meet a sexy woman dog sledder who'd say things like, I hope you like doing it with the lights on, because up here the sun never sets. <laughs> yes, I basically thought my life would be a soft core porno movie. So I got up there and Alaska was incredible, the job was great and the scenery was spectacular and I saw bears and whales and bald eagles and I ate fresh salmon every day. It was everything I thought it would be, except for one thing. If you want your life to be a softcore porno movie, do not go to Alaska. <laughs> there are not a lot of women there. There are eight. <laughs> Every time I met a beautiful woman, approximately half a second later, I met her boyfriend. Hi, I'm Jim, I'm, Je I'm with Jenny, we're together, we're together, just so you know. That's how you meet every guy in Alaska. But I did have one ray of hope. I worked with a girl named Rachel, and we had a lot of shifts together, and after work we'd go to this bar that had a back deck that looked over the ocean, and we would see killer whales and drink beer, and it was, it was great. And she was great, and I, I developed a crush on her. And not just because she was my only option. She was beautiful and funny and outdoorsy and tough. She was just the type of girl I'd wanted to meet in Alaska. So I really wanted to date Rachel. But she made it very clear that she wanted to stay single. This was partially because she'd just gotten out of a painful long-term relationship, but it was mostly because being an attractive single woman in Alaska is amazing. <laughs> For example, if she wanted a beer at a bar, she didn't go to the bar and buy it. She went and stood near the bar, and within 30 seconds, someone would hand her a beer. Sometimes she would get one for me, too. She would say, can I have one for my friend Madison? It's the only time in my life having a woman's name has helped me. Uh, and they'd be like, sure, sure, and they'd give her a beer, and she would bring it back to me. Being uh, a single, attractive woman in Alaska is like having diplomatic immunity. You can cut lines, you get out of speeding tickets, you get free meals, you can do whatever you want. This is how we ended up with Sarah Palin. <laughs> I 
so Rachel didn't want a serious relationship, but she was going on dates, she was seeing people, and you'd think this casual attitude of Rachel's would be good for my softcore porno ambitions, but the problem was I had a lot of competition. So I was a Jeep tour guide, which is a pretty manly job, right? It is the wimpiest job on the island in Ketchikan, Alaska. There are fishermen and crabbers and coast guard and roughnecks that work on oil rigs. I met a guy whose job description was literally, literally bear wrangler. <laughs> One of the guys Rachel dated a few times was a lumberjack, but he didn't work in the woods cutting down trees. He starred in the local lumberjack show. This was, it was a lumberjack skills competition that they put on for tourists, like you see on ESPN2 sometimes. So this is a guy with the muscles, skills, and mystique of a lumberjack. But his, he was so good looking, his boss was like, you can't go into the woods, that would be a waste. You need to stay here and make housewives scream with your ax. I would look at this guy and I would be like, biologically, I am a man but this guy is a man. <laughs> like I was a late bloomer at 22. I, I shaved once a week. He had this full, beautiful beard, which I believe he, he trimmed with a Bowie knife. <laughs> so I clearly had no chance of competing with any of these guys that were surrounding. So I never tried to kiss Rachel or ask her out or tell her, tell her how I felt because I was too afraid to get turned down. I was so sure it would happen, but I came up with a plan. I would hang out with her all the time be super nice to her, and eventually she'd realize that we were perfect for each other. Because, as we all know, the only thing that gets women hotter than chiseled lumberjack pecs is politeness. <laughs> That's what women want. So I put my plan into action, which is how I became her non-sexual boyfriend. Here's how it works when you're someone's non-sexual boyfriend. I did all the same things a normal boyfriend does. Went to dinner with her, told her she was beautiful, I was a shoulder to cry on if she had a rough day. But at about 10.30 at night, I would clock out, and the sexual boyfriend would clock in for the overnight shift, which is really the shift you want. So this, if this situation seems familiar to anyone here, you're wondering if a friend, a male friend, is actually a non-sexual boyfriend, there's a test you can use to figure out if your friend, who spends a lot of time with you women, actually wants to have sex with you. And the test is, he does. <laughs> so I was that guy. All summer, Rachel and I hung out and and it was great, we always had a good time together. And it kind of felt like the plan was working. She would tell me how nice I was, how much fun we had together. She would say things like, you're the kind of guy I wanna marry someday. Someday was never today. Uh, <laughs> and eventually the end of the summer was staring us down and I decided I had to take action. I had to make a move. So one night we're out at a bar and I am, as usual, watching her purse. <laughs> And I know she's gonna come back to the purse. That's home bait. Not to get money, she doesn't need money in Alaska, but for chapstick, something. <laughs> so when she comes back, I pull her to the side and I explain all of the reasons why we're such a good match. And it wasn't so much a seduction as it was a filibuster. <laughs> I just kept talking and making my points and eventually she was like, okay, okay. There's no holes in your case, let's go to your house. 
So we went back to my house, and, and not to be graphic, but we kissed. <laughs> In the French style, with tongue. And we didn't have sex, but that was okay, because she stayed over, and as, as I fell asleep with her beside me, I knew very soon I would be upgraded to sexual boyfriend. And I envisioned our relationship. We would go on night hikes to see the aurora borealis, and we'd go sea kayaking and see humpback whales and make love on top of them. <laughs> it's gonna be beautiful. And the next morning, we wake up, and she stares deep into my eyes, and she says, I think we should just be friends. And I say, yeah, of, of course, can I buy you breakfast? The sad thing was, though, we weren't friends after that. We barely hung out for the rest of the summer, didn't stay in touch afterwards. By coming on to her, I'd made it awkward. The non-sexual boyfriend, like the number one rule is you can't try to have sex with the girl. That's the job of the sexual boyfriend. You can't cross that line. It's a union, it's a whole union thing. <laughs> and I'd done it. And I, I thought I missed Rachel, not as a sexual object or a romantic object, I just missed hanging out with her. You know, I'd been so focused on how I was her non-sexual boyfriend, I'd forgotten that I was also her friend. And I missed that friend. And, and at first I was mad at her, because she'd put me in the friend zone. But looking back, I know it was all my fault. She'd been honest since the beginning with me, and I'd lied the entire time, pretending it was enough to be friends. And so I was glad I learned the lesson young, that if you like a woman, you should tell her right away. And I always tried to, right away, I would tell a girl, I I'm interested in you, which usually meant she would say, I'm not interested in you, but right away. <laughs> which is much better. The only, the second best thing after a yes is a quick no. <laughs> and I wish I'd known that back in Alaska. I wish, I wish I'd accepted that she didn't like me like I liked her. I wish I'd accepted that it was okay for us to just be friends. I wish I had realized that with all the manly men in the flannel, it was never gonna be my softcore porno. It was Rachel's softcore porno the whole time. Thanks.